three games, the Chiefs are averaging 12 points per game. What is happening? Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Tuesday, November 9th. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sina Jad. Today on the podcast, we're going to recap Week 9, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won our FFT DFS contest? And what did that lineup look like? We'll have early Week 10 pricing uh, and take a very early look at the Thursday Night Football showdown game between the Ravens and the Dolphins. See if we have any leans there, some picks early on in the week. Mike, how are you doing? I know that you're currently sweating uh, Alcorn State College basketball. We are hmm. sweating Alcorn State College basketball. It was going really well about five minutes ago. Not so well right now. Um about like the Kansas City Chiefs. I did not even put it together that they were averaging 12 points a game. You know what 12 points is? 12 points is more than Patrick Mahomes scored on DraftKings last week. I know that for sure. Oh, wow. Mike, it, it is. I don't really know what's going on, but it seems like whatever happened, whatever's happening with the Chiefs right now kind of happened to the Bills in their most recent game in Week 9 against the Jaguars where you know, teams are just taking away the big play and they're playing this cover two, safeties deep, and and basically uh, those offenses are having a hard time bouncing back from it. Uh, but yeah, that's the Chiefs are, are... I'm pretty happy that they're not on the main slate this week. Uh, what's going on, Sia? How was week nine for you? Week nine was pretty good. It wasn't as good as week eight. You know, obviously my Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs stacks, which you would have seen on the cheat sheet for FFT DFS, those didn't work out at all. Uh, fortunately... The other two stacks I had were Lamar Marquise Brown or just Lamar Naked and Justin Herbert Keenan Allen. So I was able to sort of salvage my weekend because that third stack that I put in my lineups um, definitely hit. But unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of that. So it was just kind of a middling week for me, uh, which is totally fine because when you're playing predominantly GPPs, a middling week is actually pretty good among a couple spike weeks here and there. Mike, do you actually have any takes on what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs right now that you'd like to bring to the table and we can discuss. I mean, we don't really, really have the opportunity to talk about them because they're not on the main slate. Um, but yeah, if you have anything that, that you think is happening with them, tell us now. Yeah, I mean, they are struggling. They're taking away the big play. Uh, the, chem, the, you know, the timing is off everywhere. Uh, the defense has actually been better the last few weeks. As far as the scoring, you know, look, they, they still won the last two games. What's interesting about them is they still – are moving the football. They're still sustaining drives for the most part, and they're still eating clock, which is helping them win football games still. Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried about them, but overall, I think they'll figure it out. And if you look at some of the uh, expected data still, they're still one of the best offenses in the NFL. And once they have it figured out, if the defensive gains that they seem to have made in the last few weeks, if those are real, the way everything's happening this year with what we just saw with uh, um, the Bills and everything, they're, they're definitely not out of this. They're, they're definitely not out of it. They're definitely a team that can still be very dangerous down the, the stretch here. So I think they'll figure it out. I actually, teaser alert here, I actually took the over already in their game this week. Um, I know it's not on the main slate, so we won't talk about it much this week. But I do think they get back on track in a pretty big way in what I think will be an absolute shootout on a showdown slate with the Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders, indeed. All right, let's start off with our cash game lineup review. Overall, a very low-scoring week with the cash line right around 122, 123 points on DraftKings. All hail Lamar Jackson, 52% owned, drops a 35-burger uh, on DraftKings this past week. Mixed week for chalk running backs as three of the top five highest-owned delivered a snowflake in Ezekiel Elliott, 
Austin Eckler, and Aaron Jones. Nick Chubb was awesome. Alvin Kamara, Miles Gaskin, and Devontae Booker were all solid. They did what we needed them to do. Uh, it was a rough week for high-priced wide receivers. So eight of the top nine highest-priced wide receivers gave us a snowflake this week. So they underperformed expectations. Uh, Marquise Brown, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro all came through in that mid-tier. But uh, let's start things off with Sia. Let's go from first to worst. Um, see, you're, I mean, look, you, you're, you're a humble guy, obviously. You were just talking about it, but you're, it seems like you're crushing it because every time you come on here, uh, you, we're looking at winning lineups. Right now, it's your world, and we're just living in it. Wins world! Wins world! Party time! Excellent! Excellent! Yeah, I was talking to Mike beforehand. I've never actually watched Wayne's World from beginning to end, um, but, you know, whatever. It, it, it's hard to go back in time now, and there's so much stuff to watch, so many shows, so many movies. It's like, do I really want to go back and watch Wayne's World? I don't know. Of course I know about it. But anyway, uh, let's talk about your lineup here. See a good amount of chalk. Yeah. You have Lamar, you have Eckler, you have Zeke, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Renfro, you have Alberto, you have the Chiefs defense, and uh, the two spot, spots where you got a little bit different, Devontae Booker at 12% owned, and then you have Brandon Ayuk all the way down at 1.7% ownership. Was he part of the original lineup? Or was this kind of some kind of late swap that you got on Brandon Ayuk? No, he was part of the original lineup. I mean, nice. to, to make Eckler, Lamar, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tyreek Hill work, I knew I was going to have to pile up a, a bunch of 4K plays. Honestly, this might have been the lineup. We, we were talking about lineups in our in our text chat before. And this might have been the lineup I was talking about specifically because my thought was these top four guys could get me there. You know, obviously, this is before the games actually started. So, you know, there was there was some snowflakes with guys I didn't expect to have snowflakes on. But if those four guys were going to get me there, all I really needed with the 4K guys was that for them to be average, like your Brandon Ayuk's, your Hunter Renfro's. Fortunately, they made up the difference for, you know, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tyreek Hill being just low end. Devontae Booker, I thought, was a, a really smart play. We'll find out later when we look at my GPP lineup that if I had actually played Booker with Renfro in my GPP instead of what I ended up playing... I would be a much richer man. But no, this is just a classic. This is a classic cash lineup. Eckler is a target monster. Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson. Zeke was in a good situation, good game script, and so was Tyreek Hill. And then those those throwaways aren't much of throwaways. We saw that Brandon Ayuk was getting more targets, more trust from Kyle Shanahan. Hunter Renfro was in an absolute smash spot, at least from a cash game standpoint. And then we talked about Alberto. I wasn't in love with Alberto necessarily, but you know, when you're trying to fit all those pieces in up top, you have to play Alberto. So that that was his utility there. And then the Chiefs defense was kind of a no-brainer uh, uh, up against Jordan Love. So uh, a lot of this was stuff we talked about all week. Uh, Mike, did you find it surprising that Ezekiel Elliott got all the way up to 69% ownership in cash games this week? Not really, just with the news that we had towards game day. Um, and we all expected a really, really positive game script for them in a sense that they they should have been ahead. They should have been running the football a lot. Uh, he even had a little injury scare in this game, but he was able to come back and play. But not super surprised just because of the price point. Um, I, I think that people were very clearly off of the higher end wide receivers as well. So not super surprised. You can thank guys like Hunter Renfro that, like everybody knew that he was closer to a free square than not in some of those lineups. So that kind of dictated the, the way some of those builds went. All right. Next up a winning beak, uh, winning week for your boy. I dropped 127.64, uh, and cashed in all of my cash lineups this week, uh, but I felt pretty lucky along the way. So, uh, if you're watching along here on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, you'll see a lot of snowflakes in the lineup. We got three snowflakes here. Uh, I also had Lamar, 
Eckler, Booker, Renfro, Albert O, and the Chiefs defense uh, in this cash game lineup. And where I differentiated from Sia was I had Amari Cooper, who I mentioned last week. I, I just thought the price was too low. Uh, he was 5,700. Jarvis Landry and Alvin Kamara. Originally, I had Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill in this lineup, but once Tua was ruled out, I pivoted to Kamara and Landry. I gained a whopping 0.9 DraftKings points as a result. Uh, so I think either way I would have cashed, but yeah, it was a, a net positive, albeit not uh, a very big one. And if it, it feels very lucky that um, Tyreek Hill did basically nothing because like, if he goes off and Austin Eckler did what he did, which was next to nothing, then uh, I, I pretty much get dusted here in this spot. Um, Mike, what do you think about uh, this this cash build and the fact that that I pivoted off of uh, Jalen Waddle once uh, Tua was ruled out. Is that something that you were looking to do, or, or did you leave Waddle in the lineup? Yeah, no, I pivoted off of Waddle as well once uh, once that news broke. Um, as far as this team, it's super interesting. Uh, bad bad results, really. Uh, kind of talked about it last week with Jalen Hurts and the team putting up 44 in his score. If I told you that the Browns put up 41 points on the road against Cincinnati and Jarvis Landry had 4.1 points, you probably wouldn't believe me. Um, and then the Amari Cooper thing. If I told you they were going to be double digits or like mega double digits trailing on their home field trying to orchestrate a comeback, and he had two catches for 37 yards. So really unfortunate on both of those. And then Albert O, we did not even get close to the game script we thought there. We thought the roles would be reversed. They'd be trailing by one to two touchdowns, potentially peppering him with targets. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this build at all. Uh, I think it's great and just unfortunate outcome on probably three or four of those players. See, I did think I, I made a pretty egregious mistake. I had $200 left over here, and I could have went up from Landry to T. Higgins, and Higgins' role is just, it's much safer um, in DFS right now. 25% target share on a team that's going to throw the ball more frequently uh, than the Cleveland Browns, and he has a ton of air yards this year. So I think that was ultimately a bad job by me. Like I should have just had T. Higgins in the lineup, but yeah. What, what do you what do you think about that? I think so. I don't think so. I think yeah. I think his floor with Jarvis Landry was virtually the same. I mean, keep in mind OBJ isn't there. The other receivers just don't really get targets as much as Donovan Peoples Jones like is is eye popping with some of those long catches. I think he got three targets just this last week. So Jarvis Landry was going to be the guy. I know they throw to the tight end a lot and they don't throw a lot in general. But at fifty one hundred uh, in, in against the Cincinnati team that you would have thought would have put up a few more points than this, it could have been a, a really Big time back and forth. I thought Jarvis Landry was a fine play. I like T. Higgins a lot. But last week, I think T. Higgins and Jarvis Landry were, were definitely in the same stratosphere. All right. Uh, let's move on here to Mike, who is a man of his word. And he went with Jordan Love as his quarterback in his cash game lineup. Wound up with 110.5 points here on DraftKings. Mike, walk us through this lineup. Yeah, uh, you know, I was playing Tyreek Hill. I went with Jordan Love and Devontae Adams here. I almost made the late swap to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Or, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and uh, A.J. Dillon on this one was almost a late swap decision. So I played Christian McCaffrey. Nobody played him. Um, really slow start to the game. Came on late, but did not get in the end zone. Had he gotten in the end zone, Rashad Bateman looked like he was potentially going to get in the end zone as well. That's when I would have swapped, but... Basically just played all the guys that I liked in this spot, played Nick Chubb. I was not expecting Nick Chubb to be 25% owned. I, I was expecting everyone to be on Ezekiel Elliott. I was expecting a lot of Austin Eckler and, frankly, a little bit more Christian McCaffrey. So I was very, very surprised to see 
um, the ownership on Nick Chubb at that point, and then played Tyree Kill, Rondell Moore. I knew that I was going that direction once uh, DeAndre Hopkins was out, once Kyler Murray was out. Um, just a thought process there. They were going to throw balls around the line of scrimmage. They rolled in the game. He really didn't get the usage that I thought he would there. And then Albert O, we know that, played the Buffalo Bills uh, in this one. And then, obviously, I played my other lineup in half of the cash games as well, which was a Patrick Mahomes lineup. Uh, yeah, I, I think your point about Nick Chubb, like, I'm right there with you, man. Like, you were the only one of us three to play Nick Chubb in, in cash. And I was pretty surprised to see him all the way up at 25% owned. Uh, CMC, you get here at sub 3% ownership. And man, like Sam Darnold, it's a combination of he's not healthy. He's just not playing well right now. Uh, I think it overall just puts like an, an entire uh, limit on this Panthers um, offense's upside right now uh, because of Sam Darnold. But uh, Sia, what did you think about Nick Chubb being a 25% owned in cash and uh, CMC's usage his first game back? I mean, I'm not shocked by CMC's usage. I would have thought it would have bumped up a little bit. Maybe it didn't because the game got out of hand a little bit. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, for CMC, like, I agreed with Mike last week that he was – look, we wanted to play him. We wanted to be early on him. I think it would have – like, for me, I played him a little bit more in GPP than I did in cash because of just the sort of the volatility there. But I don't mind that play at all. Nick Chubb's, Nick Chubb's percentage is – Hi, you're right. I'm very, very surprised by that. So, uh, you know, I, I was Mike was first on him. Uh, I, I liked him a lot last week too, but it doesn't really matter if he's if he's really high owned in cash if he's going to smash like that. I mean, it it doesn't matter if he's really high owned in cash. Period. I guess. But Nick Chubb going off, it, it's about time. It was Nick Chubb last week, and, and it hit. Yeah, yeah. No, kudos to you guys. You guys were all over that uh, with Nick Chubb last week. And um, as of now, it looks like we might not have Nick Chubb in week 10 because he tested positive for COVID, as did Demetric Felton. Uh, I know that they, there was a report that Nick Chubb is vaccinated. So if he can produce two negative tests 24 hours apart, then he will still have the opportunity to play in week 10. But if not, it looks like it's uh, it's going to be Dearness Johnson week here in week 10. Let's move on to GPP. And this time we'll go the other way around and we'll start with uh, that other lineup that you were talking about, Mike. And um, it was a GPP lineup where you posted... 71.04 points. That is correct. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. Yep. We talked about the Chiefs. Uh, pretty big letdown as of uh, you know the past three weeks or so. Uh, we had the Cardinals 49ers game stack here with Chase Edmonds, Debo Samuel, Rondell Moore. Uh, you had Zeke and Albert O uh, in the mini stack there. Jarvis Landry is your one-off. Um, but yeah, look, you ran bad. Like Chase Edmonds gets hurt first play of the game. He plays literally one snap. Then you sit there and you watch James Conner go 26 touches, 173 scrimmage yards, three touchdowns. Nothing you can do about it. It's you know, it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, I took a photo of this one. I'm actually going to print it out and frame this one. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the worst lineups I've ever had. Like just a pure run bad. Um, I was actually upset that the Chiefs played so well because I was hoping for the full snowflake lineup, and we didn't get there. And the Kansas City Chiefs defense was essentially my highest scoring player outside of Ezekiel Elliott and Debo Samuel, who happened to get there. But love seeing uh, my defense, the Kansas City Chiefs defense, no less, outscoring Patrick Mahomes was quite the uh, quite the outcome on Sunday. Uh, see, we saw George Kittle return on Sunday, and he actually had a pretty massive game here. Do you think that that puts kind of a damper on Debo Samuel right now, or is this just he ran bad or he's dealing with injury? What do you think about George Kittle's effect on, on Debo Samuel moving forward? 
I don't think it's a huge. I don't think it's a super significant effect. What I'm witnessing is sort of a, a slight deterioration game by game with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's the bigger worry here. But I still think Debo is going to get almost as many targets as he's gotten before Kittle got healthy. So I'm not super worried about Debo. Um, I think Kittle has some value too. I think Brandon Ayuk has value. It's just a matter of you know how much are they actually passing. But if Brandon Ayuk's price and George Kittle's price is going to continue to be low, then I'm all for playing him. But Debo is definitely still maybe you bump him down a couple spots, but that's about it. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk, it was just honestly a matter of time. It, it was baffling to me. I think, you know, really one of the more confounding things so far this season was how bad Brandon Ayuk was and how little he was being used. And, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe they needed George Kittle to come back to kind of open things up for him. But yeah, ma- monster game here uh, for Brandon Ayuk this past week. And, and kudos to you, Sia, for having him in your cash game lineup again. Uh, here is a GPP lineup that I rolled with, and I actually used this one in our FFT DFS contest. And um, yeah, look, this is just a combination of the the Packers-Chiefs game just just basically uh, letting us down here. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have Jordan Love to Devontae Adams with Tyreek Hill on the bringback. I have Nick Chubb with T. Higgins in a mini stack there. Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins defense. That was Actually, one of the, the the better things that happened here. Amari uh, Cooper, again, let down spot. Uh, Albert O mini stack with him. Uh, but yeah, it, it was really just the, the Packers-Chiefs game and and the fact that the, the Cowboys sucked in general uh, in this game. But Mike, what do you think? I feel like every week, uh, you know, I pull up a GPP lineup and I feel good about the composition. I like the way that this lineup kind of worked out. Uh, maybe, you know, too much ownership in some spots. But uh, overall, it just just guys that didn't really show up. Yeah, no, just ran bad. I mean, obviously, we'd like to have a little bit more out of Jordan Love to Devontae Adams, but anytime you're getting Devontae Adams, I mean, I basically wanted to say it in, in my last screenshot too, Debo Samuel, 1%. I'll play that every single time. Devontae Adams, 7%. I don't care if you're throwing him the football. I'll play him at 7% every <laughs> single time, especially against a Kansas City defense like that. So, yeah, I'm totally in there. The Amari Cooper thing, just flat out unbelievable considering the game script uh, that he wasn't able to get there for you. And the ownership was actually fair there. 12% at 5,700, like very clearly a cash game play. People kind of stepped back a little bit on the tournament side. So I have no issues with that. I like the correlation with your running back in the defense. And like you said, like we said, there's a lot of people that ran bad. It was a crazy week in the NFL. Um, You know, you mentioned, what was it? Eight of the top nine wide receivers finished with a snowflake. Yep. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen super often in this league. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just a bad week, really, for for wide receivers up top. But it was just a bad week in general, right? And we kind of knew that going in. It was it was kind of an ugly slate that we had to deal with. Um, so yeah, some mixed results here overall. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll kind of wrap up here with with our GPP discussion, and uh, we'll go to see it once again. Winner, winner, chicken dinner uh, drops one hundred seventy two point eight four here, and man, Justin Herbert five percent owned. To Keenan Allen, 8.6% owned. With Devontae Smith, 4% owned, 4.4% on the bringback is just, this is beautiful, Sia. This is just like beautiful GBP lineup construction here. You have Josh Jacobs, Kadarius Tony with the mini stack. Uh, and then you round it out with Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Tyler Conklin, and the Chiefs DST. I uh, I love that game stack and, and the ownership that you got him at. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I wish I had more of this game stack, to be honest with you. And I wish I had a different kind. Let me give you a two for two split that, that I had in this particular lineup. But in most of my other lineups, I had it different, which you, you would have seen in my cash lineup. So I have Josh Jacobs in here, which I was I was intent on putting him in a, a few lineups. I thought he had a ton of touchdown equity against the Giants. And I have Kadarius Tony, who I loved, who I thought was going to be a target monster. I was obviously clearly wrong about that. If I trade those guys out for Booker at running back and for Hunter Renfro, which I did in a lot of my other lineups, not only would I have come in first place in, in this uh, single entry tournament, I think it was a single entry. Oh, maybe it was a three max. Um, it was a three max tournament, only a $15 entry fee. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I would have come in first by like 10 points. I mean, I would have completely yeah. blown it out. And so I was a little disappointed that it was this lineup that I had decided to go with Josh Jacobs. Uh, but, you know, that it kind of is what it is. But yeah, as far as Herbert to Keenan Allen, listen, it wasn't my favorite stack. But we knew Keenan Allen was going to come around, and we knew he had major target upside, let alone some touchdown equity. So Herbert to Allen just made so much sense. And then instead of bringing it back with Goddard, I just thought I'd bring it back with somebody with a little bit more upside in Devontae Smith, and then I can still pay down for like a Tyler Conklin or an Albert O, Dan Arnold, whoever I wanted to go with. I liked the situation Conklin was in against Baltimore, so that one made the most sense to me. And then the rest of the pieces, I mean, it really came down to Nick Chubb really blowing this out of the water. And again, the, the big fail there was Kadarius Tony. We talked about Renfro all week, but I talked about Kadarius Tony, and I I don't know why he didn't get more targets. It was super puzzling to me, even with Galladay back, but that was the real reason I, this wasn't a takedown. Yeah, no, look, you, you talked about Devontae Smith. You love to see it here. The uh, Another breakout game, his first touchdown scored since all the way back in week one, so... Uh, we needed to see that, and that's exactly what we got from Devontae Smith. Mike, I wanted to ask you about uh, Keenan Allen. It seems like he might be back, like the Keenan Allen that we're used to. 24 targets over his last two games, six receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown back in Week 8. Then last week he goes 12 receptions for 104 yards. Mike Williams doesn't seem like he's fully healthy right now, which is just like input this every single year with Mike Williams. Uh, but it seems like prime Keenan Allen might be back, and he's 7K on DraftKings this week. Yeah, he might be. Uh, everything in the last two games looks a lot like weeks one through four of the season. Um, and you're getting him at a nice price point there. I love that it's not in the sixes anymore, frankly. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a silly thing the way our brains work as humans, but seeing the seven instead of the six in front of that name and that price tag there, um, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting play this week because I don't think that that ownership is going to shoot up uh, as much as you might think, even though he had a big game last week. All right, let's wrap up week nine. We'll take a look at the FFT DFS contest winner. As usual, if you want to play against this, 150 entries over on DraftKings, $5 per entry. Top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you would like to join. And shout out to Quia, that's K-W-I-A for taking it down this week, wins $135 and scores 170.54 points on DraftKings. That was 17 more points than the second place team and you know, we just showed you uh, our cash game lineups were like in the 120s, the 130s, 170. That's that's pretty damn impressive uh, this, this past week. So Lamar to Marquise Brown in this lineup with Tyler Conklin on the bring back. Uh, Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry with the Browns defense, uh, which the Browns defense, 18 points in the spot at 4% ownership. Just a great job by them. Uh, and then a bunch of one-offs with Miles Gaskin, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Booker. Asiya, what did you think about this lineup construction? 
I, I love it. I mean, Lamar Jackson makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think you could have run him naked if you wanted to, but it's even better when you got him with Marquise Brown, who scores almost 24 points. Nick Chubb, we talked about all week. Stefan Diggs didn't really pan out, but I thought that was a great play. Miles Gaskin made a ton of sense. Like, these are all plays that made a lot of sense. Even Jarvis Landry, who we talked about, he should have been a target monster in, in a game that probably should have had a little bit more of a back and forth than it did. The only thing I'd question there is if you're playing Nick Chubb, Maybe they both don't get there. So maybe Jarvis Landry might have been the play to to get away from and pay down for like a Hunter Renfro, for example, since you are playing Nick Chubb. Outside of that, I, it's obviously a great lineup. I do, Frank, I do want to give a shout out to Eric. He's one of our loyal listeners at Odds Boost Sucker. He came in second. He was the one that was right behind Quia. And um, he wrote us a really nice note, you know, just kind of thanking us for helping him along with his DFS lineups. And he's a loyalist. I think he might have even just written us a, a five-star review on um, Apple Podcasts, which I would encourage everybody to do uh, if you like the show. So uh, just wanted to give Eric a shout-out. Yeah, for sure. We do love that. And thank you to everyone who's listened and watched the podcast or, or played in the contest to this point so far this season. Um, it's our first season doing this podcast. I think so far, you know, it's been pretty fun. I mean, you know, we've had some ups, we've had some downs, obviously. That's the way of NFL DFS, but we're seeing more and more people reach out. Uh, recently in DMs, you just, you know, reference that. Uh, the person who won this contest, Quia, actually reached out to me on Instagram, DM me there, uh, t- saying how much, you know, the, they enjoy the, con- uh, the content and, and the ability to play in this contest every week. So we do appreciate all the support. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been really fun. Um, so thanks again to everyone for listening, watching, and playing along with us here. Mike, I was going to ask you about Stefan Diggs um, and, and, you know, oh, is there something wrong with Stefan Diggs now in the Bills offense? But, you know, they face the Jets defense this week, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that will just cure everything. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with it at all. Actually, I think he played quite well for how, just the way the game went. Uh, you look at the, the box score here, the team scored six points yeah. and he had six catches for 85 yards. That's pretty hard for the team to only score six points if Stefan Diggs has six catches for 85 yards. Uh, so he very easily could have gotten in the end zone at any point during this game. Uh, that score looks a lot different. The lineup was beautiful. The only thing I would have done is what Sia mentioned, and that would have been play Renfro over Landry just because of the correlation with Chubb in the defense. And then the fact that you also had Devontae Booker in there, which would have been a nice bring back game stack with that Giants game. But other than that, the lineup was perfect. The defense was great. Uh, I love to see the correlations of people using what we believe to be somewhat contrarian running back with their defense. Um, just the unique combination that you get when you do that is it, it won him this tournament this week. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to wrap there uh, on week nine. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll take a look at week 10 pricing next on Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, so let's take a look at week 10. We have four more teams on a bye this week. That includes the Bears, the Bengals, the Giants, and the Texans. Also another week with no Rams, Chiefs, or Ravens on the main slate as they all play Island games this upcoming week, which 
it's sad. You know, I've I don't know what to do with myself. There's no Cooper Cup on the main slate. It's it feels kind of weird. Uh, we have no Tyreek Hill, no Mahomes, no Lamar Jackson. So. Once again, we will have a uh, another very unique slate here in Week 10. Uh, it's an 11-game main slate, and we currently have three game totals over 50 points. That includes the Falcons at the Cowboys, 54.5-point total there, Bucks at the Washington football team, 51.5, and the Vikings at the Chargers, 52. Uh, and there is one bonus, a game that's just under 50 as of now. That is the Seahawks at the Packers at 49.5. Game's kind of up in the air right now because we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. He said there is, quote, a small possibility that he can return. I believe it's Saturday is the first time he can come in contact with the team again uh, and join back up with them. So that's literally a day before the game. I, I just don't know if it's going to be enough time for him to get ready. And it's kind of like the battle for Odell Beckham, right? Seahawks and the Packers, these are like the two top teams that are rumored uh, to, to be in conversations to get Odell Beckham. So uh, there, there's a good chance that he's playing for one of those teams uh, this upcoming week. We also have three double-digit spreads. The Bills are 13-point favorites at the Jets. The Colts are 10.5-point favorites hosting the Jaguars, and the Cardinals are 10-point favorites hosting the Panthers. Let's start at the quarterback position. We have five quarterbacks between 7 and 8K on DraftKings. That includes Aaron Rodgers at 7,100, uh, Justin Herbert at 7,300, Tom Brady, 7,600, Josh Allen, 7,900, and... Kyler Murray is up at 8K. Sia, do you have any early favorites here among this group? Well, much like last week uh, where I said Kyler Murray wasn't going to play against the 49ers, and of course I thought the 49ers were going to win, therefore, and that didn't work out. But I actually, uh, this is just my sense. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to play this week either at home against Carolina. I'm not really sure they need him, and I think because Colt McCoy played so well last week, I think as I'm not saying you can chalk it up as a win either way, but Kyler Murray's ankle injury, like we talked about last week, was a little bit more severe than people think. I think he needs this this additional week of rest. So he's not really in the conversation for me. Um, Josh Allen uh, and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert definitely are. Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back, which I, I expect him to play Sunday, by the way, uh, I might dabble there, but I'm much more interested in Justin Herbert and Tom Brady and Josh Allen. I, I think it's obviously a nice rebound spot for Josh Allen. I think that defense is exposable by the New York Jets, and so I think there might be a little bit more back and forth than people think. Brady against Washington, that's just kind of a no-brainer, and you get the concentrated target share because it doesn't look like Antonio Brown is going to play. And then, of course, going back to Justin Herbert with those defensive backs that Minnesota sports and knowing that Minnesota can score on the Los Angeles Chargers as well, that one just seems to me like, a favorite stack for me. All right, well, see you. Don't tell Robert Sala that this Jets defense is uh, exploitable because I was listening to the bro the broadcast on Thursday and uh, they, they had a quote from Robert Sala that said, uh, this is the best defensive line that I've ever coached. Mind you, uh, this guy has coached the Seahawks uh, with the 49ers. So, I don't know. This Jets defense does not look good right now. They allowed 45 points to the Colts. And um, with all due respect to the Colts, I think the Buffalo Bills offense is a little bit better. So, could be a, a very big bounce back spot here for Josh Allen and their pass catchers. You drop down just a bit. We have Dak Prescott. Disappointing performance last week. He's 6,900 in that game against the Falcons. Matt Ryan is on the other side. He's 6K. Uh, and then we have Kirk Cousins, 6,100 at the Chargers. Those are all games with uh, big totals this upcoming week. And a few value plays I want to throw out there. Carson Wentz is 5,900 against the Jaguars. If the Saints choose that they want to go with Taysom Hill, I I kind of feel like they should. Trevor Simeon didn't look very good, in my opinion. But um, they are at the Titans. He's 5,200. And if Kyler Murray's out again, uh, Colt McCoy is 5K 
at home against the Carolina Panthers. So, Mike, any of these value plays, mid-tier plays, you know, upper-tier upper names that you're looking at uh, in Week 10? Yeah, definitely. At the top, it's very clearly Josh Allen. Uh, I'll be investing there for sure this week. And then the other guy that stands out a lot for me is going to be Carson Wentz. Uh, at that price point of Carson Wentz, I think that game with the Jags could get a little bit more competitive than you might think. So I do like it. I believe he has at least two touchdowns in six straight games as well. Um, I, I like Carson Wentz at that price point quite a bit. You can stack him with Michael Pittman pretty easily again. So if I'm not paying up for Josh Allen, that'll be where I'm going. Um, another note, I do like Aaron Rodgers. I do think that he will play. Uh, if you look at the betting market here, the total for this game is sitting at 49 and a half. And with Russell Wilson returning from injury, as much as Seattle likes to try and kill the clock, and if Jordan Love were to potentially play, this total would not be 49 and a half. It would be probably 44 and a half to 45. Um, so the only thing that's really actionable there at that point, if you really think he's in doubt, obviously play the under now at 49 and a half. I've already played the under because I have an edge on it with both of these quarterbacks in. Um, but I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to play. I have some interest in pairing him with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. You're right about Carson Wentz, by the way. That is six straight games with two or more passing touchdowns. That's two straight games with uh, exactly three passing touchdowns against the one against the Jets and then one against the Tennessee Titans. So Say what you own about Carson Wentz and his decision making, but from a fantasy perspective, he's he's been pretty damn good uh, the past you know month and a half or so. Let's move on to the running back position. We have four running backs that are at eight thousand dollars or higher this week. Christian McCaffrey at the Arizona Cardinals. I almost did it again. Almost did it again. Eighty four hundred for Christian McCaffrey. Alvin Kamara is at the Titans. He's eighty two hundred. Jonathan Taylor versus the Jaguars. Eighty one hundred. And Dalvin Cook is at the Chargers. He is 8K. Uh, see, it. Jonathan Taylor might be the, just the way he's playing right now, he might be the best running back in fantasy. Uh, so I think this is an absolute smash spot. And, you know, Dalvin Cook against the Chargers, it's they dare opposing teams to run. And uh, yeah, that, that seems pretty tasty for Dalvin Cook. Totally. Uh, those are my two favorite. Of the four you mentioned, I really, and I think I think this will be a lot of people's favorite, by the way. I think Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook make a lot of sense. Obviously, any game stack where you're doing Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen or whatever, however you decide to stack that, Eckler's in play, Cook, even Mike Williams as, as a slight contrarian play, you, you can bring it back with Dalvin Cook. You can bring it back with Justin Jefferson. That's going to be a really expensive stack. I've actually tried it already. Um, but it's, you know, the good news with this slate, and we'll find this out really on Thursday, but a little bit today, too. There's definitely some value to be had at the running back position already right now. And I think by by the Thursday show, we're going to find out that there's a lot of value at the receiver position as well. So you can do that type of stack and still have some other good players to go with. But Jonathan Taylor of those top four um, is my second favorite behind Dalvin Cook. I don't really have a problem with Kamara or CMC. It's just I like the other two a little bit better. Yeah, and you mentioned value. Again, if Nick Chubb and Demetri Felton can't play for the Browns this week, Dearness Johnson is all the way down at $4,700 on DraftKings, and they are at the New England Patriots this week. Uh, I think Michael Carter could be a play again if Mike White is the starting quarterback. It sounds like that's probably going to be the case here in Week 10. Just an absolute target monster whenever Mike White has been in there. Uh, if and the Go I'm ahead. sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Frank, the, the one pushback there is Tevin Coleman might be active, so he might get some touches. But another value guy that, you know, maybe we'll talk about um, just as we talk about the running backs, if Zach Moss isn't playing, you know, we've got Devin Singletary as value. And we don't know exactly what's going on with the Patriots running back core either. And there might be some value created there because of injury. Look, the Jets defense, it, 
they're bad, but they're just like really, really bad against running backs right now. We we saw on Thursday Night Football, Jonathan Taylor went off. Naheem Hines had the longest run of his career. He scored a touchdown as well. So, yeah, if Zach Moss is out and Devin Singletary is by himself, definitely could be in play there. Uh, Mike, a few other mid-tier names that stand out to me. Najee Harris is just below that elite tier. He's 7,900 going up against the Lions. Have a feeling he could be pretty chalky in that spot. Ezekiel Elliott is once again only 7K dealing with that right knee injury, but a good matchup against the Falcons. Aaron Jones, if Rodgers is back and this offense is clicking, uh, he is priced below 7K, which seems like a pretty fair value for Aaron Jones. Uh, And this might be an overreaction on my part, but James Conner, if he's seeing 70% of the snaps and like 70% of the touches, uh, the way that he caught the ball out of the backfield last week, he's 6,300. And if he has a role similar to that, this price is just way too low. Yeah, the price is too low. Uh, what I'd like to see there is I'd like to see Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins sit again, or at least Kyler Murray sit again. I think that'd be a great thing for James Conner. Uh, DeAndre Johnson will be in 100% of lineups if that is the way things shake out, which I'm pretty confident that's what it's going to shake out to be. I love Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones and DeAndre Johnson are the two running backs in most of my lineups. Uh, I will say the good news for Sia and for us really is we, we like Jonathan Taylor a lot. I think he's going to be the odd man out. Uh, just looking at the pricing here, Najee Harris, $200 cheaper. Austin Eckler, $500 cheaper. Dalvin Cook, $100 cheaper. McCaffrey and um, Kamara in that same range. Zeke Elliott, there are a ton of running backs. We already know Dearness Johnson is going to be 50 to 60% owned. Nobody's going to get to Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor in this spot. I can already tell you now, I will have a Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor stack because I do think he'll potentially be involved with the passing game. Um, yeah, absolutely love Jonathan Taylor. And just looking at the numbers right now, I don't see any way that he's the most popular back at all. Hey, Frank, one other thing to get different, and I know it's only a Tuesday, but it's pretty likely like guys like Dearness Johnson, maybe even Singletary are going to be really popular. Most lineups might play one of those guys as, as opposed to both of them. And I'm using them as examples. There might be other value that opens up. But my point is, even if whether they play two or one, one way to already get different, one way you know you can get different during Dearness Johnson week is to pay up at all three running back positions if you're using running back as a flex, or at least if you're using receiver at flex, the two running back positions, because most people will take that free square. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'll have plenty of lineups that use them. But if you're going to play, let's say, three running backs, and none of them are Dearness Johnson, boom, you already know not only is are your running backs different, but your lineup construction is drastically different than the field because they are finding that value to pay up at receiver, for example, or to pay up at tight end. And that's just not how you're constructing your lineup. So a free square is great. I'm going to utilize it. But in certain constructions, you don't necessarily want to use that because you know how popular that free square is going to be. Mike, can we get an Alcorn State update, by the way? Well, what's going on there? How are we looking at Alcorn State? Well, I will tell you. So I have Alcorn State plus 27 and a half at halftime. The line was 25, so I took the other side at 25, hoping for that middle, hoping everything's very efficient. Um, we are currently down 20 with 15 minutes left, which All is right. not a good thing. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, I was trying to do the quick math there. I wasn't sure. But yeah. uh, shout out to Mike M Squared, Mike McClure, and all the Sportsline guys. Because if you're not already subscribed to Sportsline, Mike's on there every day. I'm on there every once in a while, specifically for Monday Night Football. But uh, if you're listening to this, is there a good chance you know about Sportsline? But if you don't already, um, please check that out because Mike and, and the rest of those guys are brilliant. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the early edge podcast, which comes out every day. They're, you know, shorter episodes than this. I think they're usually like 10 to 15 minutes long, but yeah, college basketball is starting up now. And you know, these guys have been hitting on like first touchdown scorers all season long. So yeah, definitely check out uh, the early edge, wherever you find this podcast as well. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. We have the top three are Devonte Adams, who is going up against the Seahawks, 7,900. A.J. Brown going up against the Saints. He is 7,800. And Justin Jefferson is at the Chargers. He is 7,700. There are a few names that are already standing out to me in the mid-tier. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are 7,100 and 6,900 each, um, respectively. And they're at the Washington football team. That's a good matchup. Antonio Brown is still in a walking boot, so... Seems like he's probably not going to be able to go again this week. Uh, Keenan Allen, we talked about earlier, he is all the way up to 7K, but I think the role is is there for him. Michael Pittman, again, 6,300 going up against the Jaguars. See anywhere, uh, anyone in this mid to upper tier that you're eyeing early on in week 10? Yeah, I don't really love the top three, and I, I'm including Jefferson in the top three. I, I think Jefferson's fine. I'll probably play him a little bit, but that the, the Chargers' defensive backs are, are pretty good. Now, they were a little banged up last week, so we have to monitor that. A couple guys sat out, but uh, that's just something to monitor. I do like Jefferson as a run back, but I like Dalvin a little bit more, so I'll probably be playing less of Jefferson. I think McLaurin is, is a pretty smart play. Honestly, I think a, a McLaurin-Heineke stack or a double stack with Logan Thomas, who should be coming back and is a much better tight end than Ricky Seals-Jones, I think those are really really interesting sort of like pay down stacks. I'll be playing Diggs again. I'll be playing Godwin. Uh, no CD lamb for me. I'll be playing Keenan Allen. And I, I definitely will be playing Mike Evans and I'll, I'll stop there. I don't think there's anybody in the Washington secondary that can cover Mike Evans. Not that they can do a great job covering Goodwin, uh, Godwin necessarily, but I think Mike Evans is just one of those guys that the Washington secondary specifically is going to have a really big problem with. And I expect Brady to throw at least three touchdowns in this game. And it wouldn't shock me at all if Mike Evans gets two of them. I don't know if this is the first time this has happened this year. It might be the first time in like over a month, but Mike Evans is cheaper than Chris Godwin. And we're not used to seeing that. Godwin's have had some massive games with Antonio Brown out. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, uh, I'm sure most people are going to be, you know, the ownership will probably be higher on Chris Godwin. But yeah, if we're getting like $200 less and less ownership on Mike Evans, uh, then yeah, I'm definitely interested in doing something like that. A few value plays that stand out to me. Julio Jones is going up against the New Orleans Saints. He is 5,400 and he managed to come out of a game healthy. So that's a positive, but it's just weird to see Julio Jones like all the way down at, at that cheap of a price. So uh, I'm interested there. Cole Beasley just had 11 targets and his price went down. He is 5,200 at the New York Jets. And uh, I was reading a story about how the Bills are basically using Cole Beasley as an extension of their running game because they just can't really run the ball effectively. So that's why he's getting as many targets as he is the past couple of games. Uh, Jarvis Landry is at the Patriots. He's 5,200. And Jacoby Myers uh, is finally priced below 5K. He's got to score eventually, right? Like the Cleveland Browns defense, I know they played well last week, but they've been susceptible to wide receivers this year. Uh, it just seems like a very fine price for Jacoby Myers. So, uh, Mike, how are we feeling about wide receiver this week? Any values, any upper tier names you're looking at? Yeah, you mentioned the value names. Uh, it's Beasley, Myers, and Landry, um, especially if everyone's going to be on Dearness Johnson. If you want to fade that situation and play Jarvis Landry, um, you can get away with playing both of them together still, of course. But I, I think that's going to be a really nice pivot, but it's stackable in that game. Talk about buying low. Those two guys put up a combined, what, 6.2 fantasy points last week? Um, 
Beasley, you're dead on. It's an extension of the run game. Now they might be down one of the running backs who also happens to catch passes. Um, in a spot where they're going to want to get right, they're going to want to put some points on the board and make sure they win against this Jets team. It is a road game, which can help it be a little more competitive. So Cole Beasley's definitely, definitely going to be in lineups. Um, as far as other guys at the top, like I have interest in Devontae Adams, especially with uh, Aaron Rodgers back. I think that that's kind of a no-brainer, though. You know I, I like to pay up for those guys. Um, Deontay Johnson is the other guy that's kind of popping for me. He didn't really have as many targets as we would have liked in this other game, uh, in that game last night, but I do like this spot for him against the Lions. I don't think anyone really from the Lions is going to be able to cover him. I don't think a lot of us are super interested in paying for him, but Deontay Johnson... I think this game can be competitive enough at 6,800. I think he's in that range where he may not be super popular. So I'll, I'll bet on him getting 12 targets again and paying off that $6,800 price tag quite often. Uh, yeah, Deontay Johnson, a few optimizers that I'm looking at have him as the top uh, point per dollar play as of now. We'll see what other value opens up on the slate. Uh, Mike, any interest in Julio Jones, 5,400? I could get there, but not going to be a priority. All right, let's I'll tell you, Frank, real quick, right below Julio Jones on DraftKings is Jerry Judy. I like him quite a bit against Philly soft coverage. They're speaking of, uh, of an extension of your running game. They pepper Judy with targets right pretty much the line of scrimmage. And we know he can kind of take off and make a house call at any given moment. He's such a good route runner. He's so good with his feet. He's, he's got great burst speed, you name it. I, I think this this game has a relatively low total. I think I kind of like the over, but I think Jerry Judy is a really sneaky GPP play. And I think I saw in games that Judy and Cortland Sutton have played together, Sutton is averaging something like four targets per game, so he's just really not being used as much. And you know he was that alpha when Judy was out, but now that Judy's back, it seems like uh, he's, he's back to being that guy. He only played 60% of the snaps last week, and he still went six for 69 in a game where they were you know, basically dominating the entire time. So uh, Judy looks like he is uh, going to be that guy. One other name I wanted to mention, Sub4K. Uh, <laughs> I brought him up last week too, but uh, Quez Watkins, he's 3,600. He played 96% of the snaps. So he might be taking over as like that wide receiver too. Maybe it's because Jalen Rager wasn't completely healthy, uh, but I, I like Quez Watkins. I, I think it's going to happen eventually for him. Good call. One other thing to consider. We don't exactly know the status of all the Washington wide receivers in terms of their health. You know, remember Curtis Samuel was injured. He was put on IR. Then he came back out. He got injured again. We've got like DeAndre Carter. We've got Cam Sims. All of those guys are like 3K. I'm talking like the DeAndre Carter's Cam Sims. So again, it's against Tampa Bay, pretty bad secondary. If these guys, any of those 3K guys end up being the wide receiver two in that game, I think that could be pretty big in terms of um, you know, basically just getting a cheap guy and being able to pay up elsewhere. Yeah, I'm looking back at their week eight snaps, and it seems like DeAndre Carter was the one that operated as their wide receiver, too. He played 70% of the snaps. He scored a touchdown in that game. Uh, what about Curtis Samuel if he plays? See, he's 4,100. I'd imagine you don't have as much interest in him. No, it would. I would only play a Washington wide receiver two if they're the flat three K, which which all of them are, other than Curtis Samuel. I mean, I think Humphreys might be a few hundred more. I'm not interested in Humphreys. Uh, I think if Curtis Samuel is out, that's when you consider the um, the bargain basement three K guys in Washington. All right, the tight end position. We have no tight end over six K this week. Kyle Pitts is the top tight end. He's at the Cowboys. He's fifty eight hundred. T.J. Hawkinson is at the Steelers. He is fifty five hundred over on DraftKings. Uh, Dallas Goddard. It seems like 
one of these games, we're going to get a monster game from Dallas Goddard. He's at the Broncos. He's 4,700. Uh, Pat Fryermuth. This guy just has a nose for the end zone, man. Like he knows how to operate in the red zone, and he's he's like pretty fun and and just he's interesting to watch. I like watching Pat Fryermuth play. It's a good matchup here against the Lions. He's thirty nine hundred. Uh, I believe he has three touchdowns over his last two games. And then uh, Dan Arnold, uh, you know, I, he led the Jaguars in receiving last week. He's at the Colts, likely playing from behind, double digit favorite, and he's thirty five hundred. So I think we'll just keep plugging Dan Arnold in there until. Uh, until that price comes up, but uh, Mike, we'll start with you this time. What are you What are you seeing with the tight end position? Yeah, you mentioned uh, all the names that I'm super interested in for obvious reasons. Um, the ones that you didn't mention that I'll say: Jared Cook, uh, 3200. I think they're going to find themselves in a competitive game with Minnesota, um, and I think that he's someone who's going to be involved here. I like the price point. Um, again, I think it's going to be a super competitive game. So he was targeted four times, four catches last week. Uh, love that pivot away. And then Albert O, um, just depending on the status of Noah Fant. And frankly, in this game, I may not have an issue playing Albert O if Fant is in. Um, I, I think that he's still going to have some opportunity. I don't expect them to be blowing out the Eagles like they blew out the Cowboys last week. Um, I think it might be a chance to double up. And if not, then Heath Fryermuth or Heath Fryermuth. <laughs> I call him so used to Heath in Pittsburgh. Um, but Fryermuth is there. Um, I don't know that I want to play both him and Deontay in the same lineup, but if I'm not playing Deontay Johnson, then I would definitely have some interest there. Uh, see, what do you think about the names that we've mentioned thus far? And if Logan Thomas can come back, they haven't opened up his, his, practice window yet uh you know once they open up his, his window to return off the ir he has 21 days uh to to actually return to game action but if he plays he nor he's normally on the field for like 100 of the snaps so uh he's priced down at 4k what do you think about logan thomas i think he's a fine play in in a stack with uh with the tampa bay bucks as a standalone i might not get there just because i i want to put like the last couple of weeks i've been playing either dan arnold or tyler conklin and a little bit of alberto last week but I mean, I, I just love the value there, especially with Dan Arnold. We, we think that game's going to be, you know, pretty high scoring, maybe on both ends of the ball. And I think Dan Arnold is really the only consistent target beneficiary in that Jacksonville office offense. We don't know if it's going to be Agnew. LaVisca seems out of it. Um, Marvin Jones doesn't really get anything. The running backs might get something, but James Robinson likely coming back. So those are the two I like the most. I'll mention, by the way, I like Jared Cook as well with Mike. If you want to go super punchish because you just don't have the money, there's two guys I want to mention, Donald Parham, who will be playing alongside of Jared Cook. But then if you want to get really puntish at 2,500 min price, DeGuaro with the Green Bay Packers, specifically if Aaron Rodgers is back, it's a super big punt. He's only, I think, gotten two catches since uh, since we had a, an injury to their starter, uh, Robert Tunyon. But just I'm just throwing his name out there. I think it's interesting. And then Gerald Everett's also 2,600. So if you just can't find the money, there are guys in that 2,600-ish range that you could go ahead and punt with. Yeah, you mentioned Tyler Conklin too. He's he's pretty cheap, thirty four hundred. It's a strong matchup uh, at the Los Angeles Chargers this upcoming week. Let's wrap up quickly with a few Thursday night football showdown thoughts. We have the Ravens at the Dolphins. The Ravens are seven and a half point favorites with a forty six and a half point total here. Sammy Watkins was practicing here on Tuesday. Latavius Murray was not. Uh, looks like Tua will be a game time decision here. Uh, Rashad Bateman, someone who stood out to me very early, uh, fifty eight hundred here. And Mike. The Dolphins like to play all three tight ends. Like, we see the highlight plays from Mike Gusecki. He's awesome. But Durham Smythe, often on the field. He's 1,800. Adam Shaheen, 
and scores like touchdowns randomly. Uh, he's only 600. So if you're looking for like really, really cheap plays, uh, those were a few names that stood out to me. Yeah, I like those names a lot. Uh, I'm going to be peppering those guys in lineups too because it's going to be a heavy. I mean, anytime Lamar's on a showdown slate, he's going to take a ton of the captain ownership, and rightfully so. Uh, what's important there is making sure you're getting the the, the big pieces that go along with it. So I, I think a lot of people are going to prioritize Hollywood Brown in this game. I'm going to still invest in Bateman. Uh, I think Bateman is, you know, Obviously, Hollywood Brown is where he's looking to go as the game gets more competitive, more competitive, more competitive, right? Rashad Bateman is someone I think he's going to hit more early in the game. So I, I love Bateman in this game. If Sammy Watkins comes back, I think that's further going to drop Bateman's ownership. So that's where I'll be going. And then Jalen Waddle, we're going to have to continue to keep playing him no matter who the quarterback is, apparently. Uh, I ended up swapping off of him in full slate last week and probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you want to play Lamar in your captain spot on DraftKings and then also have Hollywood Brown in that same lineup, you have four remaining spots where you can spend an average of $4,575. So it is tough. <laughs> it's tough to get up there for for both Lamar uh, and Hollywood Brown in that showdown slate. So yeah, do you have any thoughts here on this game that you'd like to share? Ravens at Dolphins? I made a lineup earlier today, and it was with what Mike really just described. I actually was able to make a lineup with Lamar in the captain spot, Bateman and Mark Andrews. And then I was able to find some really sort of like low-end pieces to fit into that lineup. But but, but those low-end pieces, actually, there, there was a pass catcher. I actually went with Gasecki over Waddle. It might have been a price thing. But I think you could do a lineup like that with Waddle or Gasecki, and then you just really kind of have to punt on a couple guys. But some of the punts in this game – you know, last night the punts weren't very good in terms of like the guys who actually get targets. Uh, this game, there are some some decent punts. Um, Mike, you have something else you'd like to say? Yeah, I just wanted to say, yeah, I'll give it like a little sample lineup um, for this game. So I have Lamar Jackson, Captain, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, Justin Tucker. And then if we're playing Waddle and not Gasecki, we'll go to the backup tight end. Smythe uh, leaves $700 on the table, but. That's one way that you could bring it back with some pass catchers, get the kicking points from Baltimore, and still have the double handcuff with Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. I thought you were going to come at me with some like Odell Beckham breaking news here, but uh, there's nothing as of now. <laughs> the The deadline has passed uh, for 4 p.m. waivers, so he has cleared waivers. Uh, no team wanted to pay him that $7 million remaining on his salary for the rest of this season. So Odell Beckham is officially a free agent, and he can sign anywhere that he likes. Earlier today, there was a rumor that the Packers are at the top of his list, so we'll see if that actually happens. But if that's the case, uh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham all on the same field together. So let's see if that can actually uh, come to fruition here. For C and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again on Thursday when we deep dive each game on the Week 10 main slate. We will see you then. Hey.